Hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here with you today and so glad that you're with us as well. Uh, happy Monday to each of you and thank you for coming to reInvent. Um, this is Life Sciences 202, uh, which is on digital therapy and patient personalization. Um, my name is Sean Qualheim. I'm a global life sciences solutions architect. I'm actually based out of New York, uh, live in Brooklyn. Uh, I spent a lot of my time in Jersey, as you can imagine, as well. Um, and today I'm going to introduce you to the concept of digital therapeutics. Uh, and we'll also talk a bit about how AWS can help you with digital therapeutics as well. Uh, after I share some of our, our you know, the, the what's about digital therapeutics and the why it should matter to you um, and what you can do about it, then we, I will uh, introduce my colleague, uh, Greg Tracy, who is the CTO of Propeller Health. And he'll talk to you about what Propeller uh, Health is doing in, with their solutions to help with this problem as well. All right, so with that, let's jump right in. So digital therapeutics refers to the variety of software-based interventions that can help patients and providers to better manage conditions. These digital therapeutics come in a wide variety uh, and, uh, of, of offerings and target a large spectrum of treatments. But one key characteristic of all of them is that they're evidence-based, uh, and that you know, leads to excluding some of the sham treatments that you may see that would pop up in the market otherwise. So now that we kind of have a baseline understanding of what digital, digital therapeutics are, um, I want to talk about why they matter. Digital therapeutics allow providers, allow HCPs, uh, to provide more patient-centered care. When a patient is using connected software um, or connected hardware to assist in managing their condition, the provider can have access to that data that's coming from the software, the hardware in real time. And rather than every few months or every you know, six months to a year, uh, assessing how a patient's doing based on either a written notebook um, or some, some otherwise manually gathered information, it allows them to make more frequent uh, changes to the interventions that can help patients in real time. Um, and digital therapeutics can also be exciting uh, for the patient uh, as well. Uh, they can take the form of video games uh, that, that help uh, encourage kids to be excited about, uh, about taking uh, the, the therapies that, they're, that they've, they've been prescribed. Um, and it helps patients track uh, asthma or high blood pressure. It helps patients with sleep disorders record thousands of points of data in near real time. Um, for biopharma companies, the benefit is, is that it provides a way to differentiate their, pro their, their products and to extend the life of their medicines and therapies. In the pharma value chain, when we're talking about digital therapeutics, we're talking about uh, those in the realm of clinical trials um, or in commercialization of a product as well. First, digital therapeutics can revolutionize that clinical trial space. Wearables and other sensors, uh, along with uh, a variety of data gathering and analytics techniques uh, centered around software and infrastructure, can be a factor in showing the efficiency of a new drug or medical device. Additionally, once those, uh, those new drugs or devices are on the market, a strong digital therapeutic can help support patient adherence. It can provide, uh, can lead to helping with real-world evidence, and it can even be, provide data that can be mined for pharmacovigilance purposes after the fact. 
This is the digital therapeutic success triangle. When we have spoken to a number of digital therapeutic startups that are running on AWS, we found that there's this success triangle that defines the characteristics of a digital therapeutic um, that's successful versus those that are not so successful. Some of the key things uh, that digital therapeutics companies need to consider can be categorized into three major areas. First of all, those patients' goals um, that are uh, that are personalized for them based upon what they and their provider uh, care about are, are quantifiable. Um, and we can see, uh, based on the lower left, that's where the personalization comes in. Um, patients that uh, uh, we also see that there's a mechanism for healthcare provider engagement as well up in the top. Uh, and that group support comes in well as, as well on the right-hand side on the bottom. This is our digital therapeutics reference architecture. It's available on the web uh, that you can, you can look up, you can reference. Um, but this, uh, and I'm not going to go into super, super depth on this reference architecture today. But you can ingest data through various clinical applications. Uh, so not just like wearables and sensors but also through EHRs, through EMRs, through health and information exchange, exchanges, and through a customer's commercial applications as well. Um, mobile is certainly a part of this as well, and you can use services like Amazon Cognito to help with authenticating users into the software that you build. Lake formation can be used to set up a, a curated uh, and secure repository in days, saving a lot of time and being able to focus on providing a solution for the patient, rather than focus on the infrastructure to support it. And Amazon S3 acts as the central storage layer that allows you to store and analyze data uh, at a very low cost with high performance. Redshift, as well as Amazon Athena, can be used for an analytics on top of that. Um, and DynamoDB and AWS Lambda can be used for hosting a rules engine that can help to drive effective outcomes. Finally, custom machine learning models uh, can be used, you know, built on AWS, on, on Amazon SageMaker, as well as some of the digital user engagement solutions we've, we've created, like Amazon Pinpoint, that can help you uh, deliver on-demand messages to patients through email, through SMS, um, through push notifications within an app, or even through voice. So, and with that, I am happy to introduce Greg, who will come up and talk to us next. Clicker. There we go. Thanks for the great introduction to Digital Therapeutics, Sean. Appreciate it. Thanks to uh, AWS for the opportunity to, to speak here. I'm Greg Tracy. I'm one of the co-founders at Propeller. Uh, and also the CTO, we have cut our teeth on a bunch of the problems in digital therapeutics for, for about nine years. I'd like to say I've got some teeth left, but they're pretty much all fake. <laughs> Went the wrong way. So most of us in, in, in digital health are building on top of like therapy mechanics that actually work quite effectively. So care, uh, is no different in, in respiratory care. We have great care largely, right? And in our case, in respiratory, there's largely very effective medications that patients with asthma and COPD are using. 
The problem is that the, the, what surrounds those medications and what really is supporting patients is largely still an analog experience. So this is a picture of a survey that COPD patients take that is trying to assess overall how well they're, how well they're doing. And it's a totally analog solution. Patients would come in sort of ad hoc or when they're worsening and just show up and take a survey and that lets them know how well they're doing. And, and that's not effective, right? So the treatment methods that we're using today in both asthma and COPD aren't effective. The costs are getting worse. There are more people that have been diagnosed with an asthma and COPD than ever before. 65% of patients with asthma are actually uncontrolled right now. One out of five patients with COPD has reported that they've been hospitalized or been to the ED in the last 12 months. And so at Propeller, we think people with respiratory disease actually deserve better. We think that there are better methods with tools and technologies that we have today that can make those medications more effective, that can build a stronger, uh, more personal, sort of data-driven and transparent relationship with their physician so that when they are visiting and they're in the clinic, it's a really well-informed visit. And so the quest that we've really sort of been on is to try to make that experience better for patients with respiratory. There is a lot of surface area to the product, but I would say our unfair advantage are sensors. So we build small wireless Bluetooth sensors that attach as an add-on device to basically all of the common form factors for inhaled medications. Uh, and patients with asthma and COPD are prescribed these every day. Those communicate via Bluetooth to a, to a mobile experience. That experience is the primary intervention for patients. It's how they're uh, experiencing propeller and, and receiving interventions and understanding the data. All of that data also gets pushed off into clinical interfaces as well. So we build dashboards for, for, um, for providers um, and physicians where they're interacting with that data. Uh, and have EHR integrations as well. What we'll talk about a lot today in that bottom left quadrant is really the data science, and I'll walk you through some, some interesting use cases um, of what we've been doing. To give you a sense of like how we sell and how we operate, we like to describe it as a two-sided network. Um, uh, so what we describe as upstream are really are the pharma partnerships that we have. So these are the respiratory pharmaceutical companies, so they're making the inhaled medications. We oftentimes work directly with them to build the sensors that instrument those medications. And then they will help us commercialize those and subsidize patients that are on those medications. Uh, and then what we describe as downstream, that's like the traditional in the U.S., traditional healthcare delivery systems, right? So you've got pharmacy benefit managers, retail pharmacy, the payers, the insurers, uh, and the providers. And so we sell through all of them, um, and they help subsidize the cost for the patient. So today the patients don't, don't pay anything. Um, they're being subsidized by folks on both sides of this network, and they all benefit um, both by receiving data, but more importantly, they're all interested in delivering a better outcome for the patient. Probably one of the things that we're most proud of at Propeller is we have a lot of evidence that shows that the digital solution um, is effective for patients. So this is an example of an asthma population. We monitored uh, uh, 200 plus uh, patients one year prior to being enrolled in Propeller and one year after, and we saw a pretty significant reduction in both um, uh, hospitalizations um, and trips to the, to the emergency room. 
We have similar results in a COPD population, so this was run by Cleveland Clinic. A much smaller population here, it's only about 40 patients, but saw very similar results of, uh, of reducing the number of ED visits as well as hospitalizations. All right, so let's jump into a little bit more of what we, of what we built. Talked a little bit about the sensors. We, we build add-on sensors for really all of the inhaled medications uh, in this space. Patients are typically prescribed two types of medications. There's one daily medication, it's a long-acting medication. They should be taking that once or twice a day. And then they have a, a short-acting reliever medication that they typically take when they're feeling symptomatic. And it's intended to relieve those symptoms really quite quickly. Those communicate via Bluetooth to standard handsets. We make apps for Android and iOS. Um, that that is, serves both as the proxy to get that signal up into the AWS infrastructure, but it's also the primary intervention point for patients. And then as we talked about, they're, they're uh, data-rich interfaces for the clinicians. So they can look now at a whole population of patients that they're managing, and they can understand the patients that are doing well and the patients that are doing poorly. They know that objectively from the data, whether or not the patient is visiting them in the clinic, and they can outreach accordingly. So we talked about two types of medications. This is an example of the, the, what we sort of describe as the rescue medication. This is short-acting. Um, it's, a, it's a symptom reliever. It's a very simple piece of data that's coming off the sensor. It's a timestamp. What's amazing is once you have that timestamp and you know the location of that patient, you can go decorate that data with lots of interesting environmental information, which is incredibly useful for asthma patients. So what were the weather conditions? What, what was the pollen data? What was the air quality at that time? We collect all that information, we present it back to the user, and there's some use cases here on trying to drive back insights because it's not really so much about tracking and monitoring the use of medication. It's about delivering a new experience back to that patient that they didn't have before. So what's the most common location for them to be symptomatic? Is it at their house? Is it at work? Is it at their brother Joe's house because they've got a cat? We help try to bubble up some of those insights back to them. On the, on the long-acting medications, the controller medications, what we try to do really is deliver better habits. And this is sort of one of the, this is really one of the pillars of digital therapeutics. How do you help them use the medications correctly as they've been prescribed by the physician? We try to do this because if they're using this medication correctly, it's, it's very likely that they're not gonna be symptomatic and won't be using that, that rescue medication. And so we're trying to build habits. We do it by audible reminders on the devices themselves. We do it with push notifications. There's integrations with Apple Watch. There's all that kinds of stuff. And there's some simple game mechanics in the app as well. Largely here, we're trying to build better habits because we want them to have fewer symptoms. It's not so much about pushing more medications. It's about having a, a more effective therapy uh, based on the meds that they're already on. Once you have that data, again, it's not so much about the tracking. Like, uh, yes, the physicians probably want to know that you're taking your med every day at 8 o'clock. Like, I told you to do, and I'm in a white coat kind of a thing. But what digital unlocks actually is the ability to combine lots of interesting data signals to find something new and interesting that is personalized for you as the patient. This is new with digital. This is really what digital health is all about. 
I don't want to tell you to take your medication every day. I want to give you an insight about your triggers. I want you to have a better understanding that there's something about the ozone actually that is causing your trigger and create awareness when those circumstances may be, may be happening to you. And we'll walk through a couple specific examples of this in a minute. Okay, so the geeky part on the, on the data side, I'm gonna walk through a little bit um, sort of the history of sort of where we came and sort of where we wound up and where we are today. This is a sort of a crude um, architecture picture, but largely it's like the V1 of propeller was largely built like this. This looks probably pretty common to stuff that you build. We're receiving this ingress from all of the sensors that all of our patients have, we, we pretty much shove it in a queue and go process that work later. There's lots of things we want to do on that, though. We want to go off and figure out what the environmental data was. We want to figure out some more interesting location data, like not just a lat long, but were you at a farm? Were you at a barn? Were you like in a bar? Like we want to find some more interesting information about those locations. And so all of this work is sort of happening in these task queues. We run Mongo, we shove it all in Mongo. Um, we have a PubSub architecture that allows us to go build like a webhook infrastructure and um, push that data into EHRs and whatnot. And then you can see in the bottom, which we'll come back to here, there's, there's the little bit of a hack that, that is ETL and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, and, th and this largely, this was, this was driving all of the like advanced data work we were doing really in the beginning. And if you, if you go back, you know, you rewind to eight years ago and we're like 10 people hacking away, we actually weren't even thinking smart about what we could be doing with the data once it got big. We were focused very much on building a product. And so that ETL, I, that's a node app is what that was. I mean, I built it in a week. And when we hired our first data person and they were like, where's my data? They didn't like Mongo. They wanted a relational database. So I built a node app that turned it into a relational data store. And that, that caused all kinds of problems for us, which I'll get to in a sec. There are lots of like simple use cases though that we were able to do right out of the box. So um, making like, how can we predict when somebody's gonna exacerbate? Like you can query like a lot of data out of Mongo very efficiently and do analysis on that, on those results and find some really interesting stuff that you can go tell the provider, hey, it looks like Jimmy may be exacerbating in the next few days, I suggest you intervene. You can give that to the doc, you can give it back to the patient and do that intervention and create more awareness. And you can do this largely like one-on-one -on -one in, in that, that existing architecture that we had. This ETL thing really kind of blew up though because one, it just didn't scale. It sat there just like polling Mongo, trying to look to see what had been updated. It was doing some transformations and it was shoving it downstream into another data store. It just, there, there is so much data that's coming in a propeller, not just from the sensors, but behaviors on the app, how we're recruiting patients, um, analytics from, from GA and segments and other things. It, it was falling over um, daily. And, and this is where I would say over the last probably 12 months, we've started to focus our energy to unlock some new data capabilities at Propeller. And here's a, a good sampling of the kinds of things that we work on on the data side at Propeller. There's really cool geospatial modeling work that we do, we've done. Um, if, if, you haven't been, if you haven't seen some of the work we've done with the city of Louisville, Louisville please go check it out. 
we helped the city um, better understand where in the city they were having problems with air quality. And they used Propeller and folks that were using their rescue medication to help identify some of those spots. That, those are very large data sets. You can't pull that out of Mongo, our production database, very easily. We built um, prediction models to let you know whether today is going to be a difficult day for you as an asthma patient. There's a bunch of clinical anal analytics that we do on the clinical and the research side that demonstrates the efficacy of the solution in different segments or different cohorts and populations uh, that are using Propeller. And then finally, product insights. So the product organization is trying to understand what features work and what don't work. So here are like the class of problems that we're looking at. And we didn't have infrastructure that, that could support these um, very well. We were doing like goofy offline downloads and terrible habits and data was moving all over the place and we lost track. So we set out to, to fix that um, and I think like this this flow here, I think, is a pretty common one. You have all of these signals. Remember, it's not just medication, so it's like, what's the activity of the patient? If they're using spirometry, what does the spirometry data look like? Um, what are the other activities they're doing inside the app? Um, what's the, OT, o, the, the oxygen, oxygen levels and whatnot? So there's lots of data that's being emitted by the patient as well as the products that Propeller is building and supporting them. And those go sort of downstream in all these flows. There's, there's sort of the core propeller experience. We're collecting data through GA and segment. Um, and we're, we're pulling data from Zendesk, which is the primary folks that, are, that the, the, sorry, the, the primary tool that our, our customer experience folks are interacting with. And um, you can think of these as like that, that second column is like the core experience that Propeller is selling to patients. The next one is sort of that core experience that data engineers are operating on top of. That third one is now that you have that, let's go democratize access to the data. Let's go put Tableau and Looker on top of that so it doesn't take an engineer to run a query. And so we've, we've tried to like think of Think of like, see these silos of different ways of like empowering next like bigger group of people, whether that's externally or internally. You want to be able to empower the non-technical people in your organization to, to ask a question and go to the data to get the answer and not just hire like 20 analysts to go do that. So this is a super simplified view of sort of we kind of sort of came from Mongo, this brutal ETL process, Aurora, and we were literally just hiring analysts that were running these queries to go answer questions from across the organization. And the, um, you know, one of the, like, one of the great assets and also probably like one of the biggest challenges at Propeller is we have a ton of data. We have a ton of real world evidence that tells us how well patients with asthma and COPD are doing in the world. Like how effective their treatment is, how, effect, how effective um, like their lifestyle and environmental impact is. Like there's a ton of evidence um, on these different attributes and a bunch of smart people in Propeller that have lots of questions about that data. And all of our partners and questions have never, our partners and customers haven't seen data like this, so they're asking, them, asking questions about the data. And we wound up hiring lots of people to go run these specialized queries, and it just doesn't, doesn't scale particularly well. And so I would say about 12 months, we, we migrated to this like very high level view of um, basically using Amazon Kinesis to stream everything into an S3 bucket, doing curation through glue jobs, shoving that into primarily Redshift, and then layering tools on top. 
This has unlocked, I would say, um, new use cases across the organization. And just from like a data throughput standpoint, this actually scales, whereas the old flow just, it fell over, like I said, about once a week. So I'm gonna step through different parts of this. This is a view of the data lake. I think this is probably what you might expect. Um, gives you some numbers that we have 250 million patient hours. So you can think of what winds up uh, in, in S3 there. It's really, it's time series data. So we know how well somebody's doing kind of by the hour, and it's contextualized by all kinds of things, primarily environmental data for asthma patients. That's the most interesting, and that's what we have today, although that list is growing. Lots of folks in the organization want to layer in um, other tools that they're using. So we do a lot of patient recruitment on, on Facebook and on Google. We use Segment to, to track folks and what, what actual features are they using inside the experience. Uh, and then we use Zendesk and Salesforce to interact with a lot of them. And so how do we get this data sort of into one spot so we can start layering, layering tools on top? So that's a high level view of how we get the data streamed into, into S3. The next is really the, that enrichment phase, and that I think the most important view here is that top right. We, we've sort of squatified at Propeller, and that's true on the product and engineering side as well as on the data side. And so there are groups together that you've got sort of data pipeline engineers that are working closely with data analysts and data scientists, and they're coming up with what those glue job with the curation looks like that unlocks the analysis that wants, that needs to be done by the marketing team, needs to be done by the product team, generates the clinical evidence that we're publishing that demonstrates efficacy. And so those folks work together to do that curation um, and ultimately winds up in Redshift and we're applying both Tableau and Looker on top of that to, to do some of the visualization of that analysis. Here's an example of sort of a population level reporting that was, wasn't possible before that is now. Um, this, this is demo data, which is why there's a giant blob on Madison, Wisconsin, which is where we're based. But it gives you sort of a, it gives you a view of um, what's possible at, a, like an, at an aggregate level, which is incredibly powerful for folks inside the organization, and this tooling is opened up for partners as well. So we have lots of standard reporting products that we provide. It never seems to satisfy everybody once they understand how much data we have, and so they actually want to start creating and running their own reports, and so we're starting to unlock that on top of the, the infrastructure that we build. On the patient side, as we talked about earlier, it's, it's not the tracking and the monitoring that keeps patients interested. They want to learn something new, right? They actually, like, they want to experience their disease differently than they were before. And once you have a piece of electronics that is on their medication, it unlocks the capability to do super interesting things that they didn't have before just by, like, having an inhaler in their life. And if we do anything right at, at Propeller, I think that we focus on these use cases for patients so that they understand something new that they didn't understand before enrolling. And this is a huge challenge, I think, broadly in digital health that, you, that most of us, if you pull out your app right now and you look on your home screen, the sets of apps and experiences that you have on that phone are largely about like utility, right, or convenience. You're not, 
you're not actually chasing an outcome, right? You have Netflix on there because it's like streaming video more easily than it did before. But it's unlikely that you have like an experience or an app on there that you're, you're trying to achieve or unlock something. And that's what we're trying to do at Propeller is we want to have an app on your phone that you're sort of committed to because you're always learning something new about yourself and your disease. Um, we, we, could spend, we could probably spend another nine years working just on these things to unlock these experiences for patients. There's super fun and interesting work still to be done here. One of the interesting things about the, the model we have on, on prediction, um, so forecasting whether or not today is gonna be a difficult day for you, is that we have, you can think of Propeller as a little bit of a closed loop system. So, if you're using a, a short-acting uh, bronchodilator uh, medication, you're, you're using that um, to relieve a symptom. So you're telling us that you're symptomatic that day. We know all of the uh, like environmental factors that may be um, contributing to that potentially. The other thing is we know when you're not symptomatic and we know all of the environmental uh, contributors when you're not symptomatic as well. So it's actually a model that is really tight we know, we know the conditions when they're ripe, when it's bad for you, and we know the conditions that are ripe when it's not good for you. And if we give you a forecast and you use your rescue medication, it tightens up the model further. What we don't have today yet is a model that is personalized for you. So I'll talk about that in a second. So we look at, like, we try to do some segmentation on users and find users that are similar to you and build a model like that. The input to that, though, uh, is when you're using your medication and the output of that is today's gonna be a good day, a fair day, or a poor day. So the model work that we're doing, um, this is sort of at the, 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 the bottom of that architecture that we looked at sort of at a high level. We've generated over 21 million asthma forecasts for users. We've predicted over 150,000 exacerbations. Um, built largely um, through the model that you see here. We, SageMaker has proven to be an awesome tool for us. It works well um, both on the deployment side because it's very easy to deploy a newly trained model. Um, the training itself has allowed, I would say, the data scientists to move way more quickly than they ever could before. And so we did a lot of like batch processing and moving data around for them to, to do the training and building and then you'd have to um, upload that back up into the infrastructure that we had tried to sort of glue together before. And now that everything is sort of integrated um, together, the engineers that are building interfaces for patients and the engineers that are building the data pipeline and the data scientists are all operating in the same space. And so we've created um, a ton of efficiency here on um, both finding new models as well as deploying those directly out into the field. There's two use cases down here for the forecasting, by the way. There's one that's personalized for patients. So when they sign into the experience, it's gonna tell them right away whether this is gonna be a difficult day. And that API is actually a public API. So you can query against that. It's called Air, Air by Propeller. You can query against that using a zip code. And if you use if this, then that, you can connect it to whatever you want, SMS, email, phone, all that good stuff.
So looking forward today, we have four data centers that are running. We're, we're, we have two in the US, we've got one in Germany and we have one in Ireland. Um, what we've deployed here you've, is, is everything that you've, you've seen to date. Um, and then next year we'll be deploying uh, in Asia as well. So the, um, I think we have patients in 16 countries today, um, 100,000 patients in total. And we're feeling pretty settled and prepared on the, with the architecture that we have. This has proven so far to be um, both like scalable and like increased velocity uh, on the product organization. So uh, while we feel like really settled and happy here, I think mm, there's a ton of work really still yet to be done on the right-hand side here. Because there are, there are population level features that we haven't really built yet that we'll start to think about building um, that will sit on top of Redshift. So while today most of the core product is still operating out of the old architecture that sits on top of Mongo, there's a whole new set of like population level uh, interfaces for clinicians that we're gonna start to build that will be built on top of, on, on the Redshift architecture that's, that's shown here. We've only scratched the surface on the model. We do a lot of prediction on whether or not somebody is worsening. Um, we do quite a bit of forecasting to help you know whether or not you're doing well. There are more inputs that are gonna be uh, included here. Um, there are new models yet to be built. Um, we feel like we sort of have a foundation to move a little bit more quickly here. Um, and then probably most interesting is to turn those models into like really personalized models for patients. So we should have 100,000 models on forecasting, not just one model that uses your inputs. Got to the end of my talk fast. <laughs> Am I gonna do this now? I'll do this announcement. So Healthcare and Life Sciences Networking Lounge. So I know I'm gonna be there. So I think it's in about an hour. It's down the hall. Um, I think all the speakers will be there. Happy to answer any questions if I can dive into more detail and be helpful there. And there's a whole slew of more talks coming, which I think have been all over the slides. Right after this, we're gonna be down in the lounge for a little Q&A. So happy to, happy to meet you all and share some more of the stories um, at Propeller. Thanks for coming today, I appreciate it.